persecuted church today, we should also think about and pray not only for those who are being persecuted, but for those who do the persecution as well. And pray for their salvation because no one is beyond the hope of God's salvation. And the Bible has a lot to say about how the world will treat those who call themselves Christians. John chapter 15 verse 8 says this. John 15 8. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And then a little bit later, John 15 verse 19 and 20. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. And verse 20, remember the word I spoke to you. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We've got to remember that. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, All those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you know that? Romans 8, 31 and 35. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? That answer is no one. Can affliction separate us from the love of Christ? No. Can anguish or persecution or famine or the danger or the sword separate us from the love of Christ? And that answer is no. And then Philippians. And and all of these are just a a quick selection of verses. Philippians chapter 1 beginning in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, this is Paul, has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, the people who were guarding Paul, and to everyone else, that my imprisonment, see Paul's in prison at the time he's writing this, that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message, to speak the gospel fearlessly. So here Paul is saying, I may be in prison, but me being in prison has caused the word of Christ, the gospel message, to go out to the whole imperial guard. My being in prison is for the work of Christ. And not only that, my being in prison has encouraged the brothers who are free and not yet in prison to speak more boldly, to speak fearlessly. Wow. That's exciting, isn't it? But now, imagine that we didn't live in a country as free as we're able to gather here today. Imagine that You lived in a country where if you're a student and you let it be known that you are a Christian, 
you would be failed in your grades. Imagine that if you lived in a country like we're going to look at and you let it be known that you're a Christian, your neighbors would beat you up. Your home might be destroyed and your family put into prison. This is what it's like for the persecuted church. So, how would you respond if you lived in a country that's where the church is persecuted and they come and arrest your family, your father and mother, and maybe leave you there with to stay with aunts and uncles or other? How would you respond to that? Would you lose heart? Would you give up? Would you change your faith? Or would you pray harder, stay faithful, and grow even bolder? You know, most of us have never experienced that kind of hate. We've certainly not experienced it for our beliefs. And yet God's word shows us that persecution has been a part of his story throughout history. God's prophets and Jesus' disciples were persecuted. The story of the early church in the New Testament is a story of persecution come to life. If you look at scripture, it's largely written by persecuted believers. It's written for persecuted believers and it's written to give instruction on how to walk with God in times of persecution and unthinkable situations. Here's something. Persecution reminds us of the truth of the gospel. And this, I think, is key. Following God has never been about us. It has always been about Him. <clears throat> And that's the key for the persecuted church to survive. And so, I think it's more of a way to look at the persecution, persecuted church. It's possible that God allows persecution to show us that what we think of as the persecuted church is in fact a victorious church. Around the world, we do see church buildings burned and destroyed. We hear of brothers and sisters in Christ being hassled, cast aside, jailed, and even killed, as I've already mentioned. But in those same stories, we hear of the hope of God's goodness and of miraculous love in action. We hear of radical love and of a faith that won't die. And you know something? The victory has already been won. God is strengthening his followers around the world in the face of hostility, violence, and injustice. So, what, what do you think of when you hear the words, 
persecuted church? Anybody? What do you? What comes to mind? Carla, what comes to mind when you think of the word persecuted church? Well, the first thing is the Beatitudes. Hmm. Blessed are those that are persecuted for my sake. There you go. For they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Anybody else? The freedom to practice what you believe is not. Uh, you're not allowed to practice what you believe. Right, so uh, suppression of the freedom of worship. <coughs> Anybody else? What do you comes to mind when you think of the persecuted church? You think about um, Satan feeding the the pride and the lust of people to to fight back and in anger to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. Think about people who have to hide to worship. Mm-hmm. They have to sing just by moving their mouth but not making any sound. Well, imagine if we <laughs> if we tried to gather like this in a country that persecutes the church. Even if we had a home gathering, it would the one of the things that you would do is you would come slowly, one at a time, over a long period of time. It might take three hours for the for you to trickle in slowly so as to not draw attention. So it would just take three hours to gather together before the service even begins. Can you imagine that? And then it would have had to, you know, just probably travel different routes to even get here. You know, I think about the word courage. It takes tremendous courage to do that. And a tremendous faith. A tremendous faith. His his kingdom is not from this world. That's right. And then these people, they keep the focus on that, that they will have their salvation independent of their conditions. That's important that you, under any circumstance, always believe in that. That's right. Well, listen to what the... I'm going to pull a little bit out of Acts. And this is Acts chapter 8 of, of the persecuted church. And this happened... Uh, uh, you know, again, it's, it's straight out of Acts. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men uh, buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. Do you see how that's no different than what happens today with the persecuted church, is it? So those who were scattered went on their way. Listen to this. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the message of good news. Here people are getting put into, dragged off into prison and other people are still preaching saying this is a message of good news. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. 
The crowds paid attention with one mind to what Philip said as they heard and saw the signs he was performing. Basically, it, it says that uh, there was a great joy in that city at hearing his message. Great joy. So one thing to think about is that God uses the persecution and the suffering of his people to spread the truth to spread the gospel of Christ and to bless the world. This gives us the understanding that God rules over the sufferings of the church and causes them to causes that to spread out and bring joy and faith to a lost world. That's not his only way, but it is one of the ways. It does seem to be a frequent way. It seems like God spurs the church into missionary service by the suffering that the church endures. You know, so I just want to caution us not to judge too quickly what might seem as an apparent setback or even look like a defeat in a country that's persecuting the church. If we see things through God's eyes, every what we might envision as a setback is really God positioning it for a greater advance of the gospel, a greater display of his wisdom and power and love. You see, this chapter, this little section that I read shows us that God makes persecution serve the great commission you know it said on that day a severe persecution broke out and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land you see up until now the book of acts had taken place just in jerusalem no one had moved out of jerusalem to spread the gospel but jesus said here that the, Jesus said early on, sorry, in Acts 1, that the coming of the Holy Spirit would empower missions in Jerusalem and beyond. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And now we look at Acts 8. And it's exactly those areas that are described at that these persecuted people go out to all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria so God moved his people into the missions that he had given them and if we look in later on in Acts Listen to this. This is in Acts 11. It says those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution. And this is the persecution that started because of, of Stephen and the stoning of Stephen. They made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Speaking the message at first to no one except for the Jews. But then some of them, Cypriot and Cyrenian men, who came to Antioch, they began speaking to the ones who weren't Jews, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. So in other words, the persecution not only sent the church 
to to uh, Judea and Samaria to the Jews, but beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. That persecution spread the gospel to the Gentiles. I think that's an amazing thing. Now, one other point I want to, to bring out is, before we take a look at some of this, is Jesus' view. What's Jesus' view on persecution that we see in the book of Revelation? Well, in Revelation 3, well, let me back, go back up. Uh, in Revelation, there are letters to several churches. One of these churches is called the Church at Philadelphia. And this church was coming under persecution. Okay? But listen to what Jesus said to this church. He says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have a little power. You're a small church. You're not a big, uh, big church. And yet, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I know your works. So, again, Jesus was assuring them under persecution that their suffering was not in vain. Their pain would not escape his notice. Imagine hearing from Jesus saying, no one's going to close the door I have opened for you. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. All of this to get us thinking about how we should really think about the persecuted church. Because if you think about it, here, here are some numbers. There are around 215 million. That's almost a quarter of a billion. 215 million Christians in the world today face significant levels of persecution. If you want to think about that another way, that means that about 1 in 12 Christians live where their faith is illegal, forbidden, or punished. I mean, if you look around you here, I mean, right here, this section, you know, out of this group right here, two of you would be living in a persecuted area would be persecuted for your faith out of this many right here imagine that or you know the same for this group two of you about two of you out of this group would be living in a place where worshiping god is illegal well i want to take just a few minutes and give you an understanding of what's going on. Uh, Open Doors is a ministry that takes the gospel to uh, the persecuted areas. 
and they create something called a watch list of countries, the top 50 countries that persecute Christians. Number one on that watch list, and let me back up and explain what, a, what this watch list is. This watch list is a list of countries where doing what we're doing right now, gathering, listening to something about the Bible, preaching, where this is illegal, where, where Christianity is illegal and oppressed, where Christians are persecuted. This list of the, of the world watch list is a list of the 50 most dangerous countries to live in if you're a follower of Jesus. And the country that's listed as number one, can anybody guess what country that might be? Henry? No, it's not Russia, but that's a good one. North Korea. And North Korea has been number one on this list for the past 16 years in a row. What is it like being a Christian in North Korea? Well, I had asked Bill if he would take some some photographs of the NC State's football game yesterday. Uh, and it's just, just a few pictures because I, I want to get something in your mind. So this is 56,000 people. 56,000 people. That's half of them. And that's the other half of them. We're full. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> and, uh, this is this is this is uh, um, that's them talking. <laughs> People. That's a lot of people. And then we've got this one. That's all but one. Oh, that's that is that is excellent. Okay. So le- there le- they are. so you see this picture right here. Fifty six thousand people gathered in the football stadium. Well, it's filled to capacity. This right here is roughly the number of Christians that are in prison or labor camps. In North Korea. Their crime? Believing in Jesus Christ. You imagine that. That's the number of Christians. Not not the total number of Christians in North Korea. Just the number of Christians that are in labor camps. And have been arrested. For bearing the name Christian. Think about it. There are no parents in North Korea in North Korea reading Bible stories to their young children. 
Can you imagine that? Not being read a Bible story. Simon, when do you or do you read the Bible stories at night? Yeah. Imagine you couldn't do that. They simply can't afford to do that for fear that the child may say something and reveal their beliefs. Christian fellowship looks a whole lot different in North Korea. There can be no worship services. There can be no gathering like we're experiencing. It might look something like this. Picture a Christian walking into a park and taking a seat on a bench. And then over some period of time, scanning the park to see if maybe there's another believer to visit with for a moment. And that's it. Imagine the Lord's Prayer, North Korean style. Imagine waking up in your cold North Korean home and yet you still pray, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Your name. Imagine working in a labor camp, one of these people, and you still pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Imagine scrounging around, searching the the hillside or searching the mountains for something to eat because you're so hungry. And yet you're still praying, give us this day our daily bread. Imagine being forced to take part in a self-criticism session. And yet you still pray, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Imagine seeing the wealthy leaders on television leading a rich life, and yet you pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then, kneeling on your sleep mat each night before you close your eyes, you say, Amen. It's estimated that there are 300,000 believers in North Korea. 300,000. And you know what? They're worshiping God wherever and however they can. But they're ready to preach the gospel. They're continuing to follow God at whatever the cost. That's North Korea. Another one on the list is Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan is number five on the watch list. Uh, And it's interesting that Pakistan may be number five, but this country recorded the most violence against Christians last year. This country also scored, they do a lot of scoring mechanisms to to, to rate the countries on this watch list. And Pakistan scored the highest in church attacks, abductions, and forced marriages. Ambiguous uh, blasphemy laws have been put in place. And they can be used to throw a, a Christian in jail for either a real or a perceived slight against Islam. Any accuser can 
claim something derogatory was said about Islam or their prophet Muhammad, and that person can be immediately arrested and sentenced to death just for being accused of something. And often the accusation is accompanied by a group of people eager to administer mob justice. I don't know if, uh, Bill, you'd mentioned, or maybe I heard someone mentioning about uh, Asa Bibi. Uh, did you mention the latest news, though? That, uh, that they said she couldn't leave the country. Right. Yeah. Well, she's probably the most notable of the persecuted Pakistani Christians. She's a mother of five, and she had been in prison since 2009. What did she do? It started because she got a drink of water from a well that was used by Muslim women. And she was arrested because locals accused her of blasphemy, of drinking from the same cup that Muslim women drank from. That was her crime. But of course her real crime was being a Christian. And yes, uh, the Pakistani Supreme Court announced that she's won her appeal and has been acquitted. But on the other side, there's a, a chief cleric of a extremist group that has encouraged his followers to take to the streets and be ready to die if she's freed. Did you did you mention this part? Uh, and they have blocked off streets in Pakistan and are calling for the murder of the Supreme Court justices who, appre who approved her release. And as a result, Christians in that area are now at an increased risk following this verdict. You know, Pakistani children, they're educated in madrasas, Islamic schools where they're often exposed to extreme messages and ideology. But you know what? The hope of Christ is visible even in the context of persecution here. Christians are standing for Jesus regardless of the cost. And they are ministering and preaching the gospel. People who have been born into Christian families, who've never had a chance to go to church, are hearing God's word for the first time. The church is having an impact in Pakistan. Eritrea. How many of you even know where Eritrea is? Have ever heard of the country? Susan, where is Eritrea? It's a little tiny bit of country on the coast next to Ethiopia. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, this little bitty tiny country, it's number six on the watch list. Number six. It is one of the most closed countries in the world. And it's often been called the North Korea of Africa. To give you an idea of how bad it is. Because of its brutal dictatorship. No church operates without government direction. There is no evangelical presence, at least not publicly. There may be more than 1,000 Christians imprisoned there in 
metal shipping containers. That's what they use as prisons. Eritrea has a vast network of prisons and Christians languish in these brutal conditions for years. And right now, Eritreans of all religions are leaving that country. Uh, a staggering number are fleeing that nation to surrounding countries or to Europe. But you see, even there, Christians are not hopeless. Even Christians who have fled are hoping to one day return to their country and help restore the church. That's their hope, is to go back to their country and restore the church. One Christian in a nearby country said, I believe the church will be a strong power to change society, to play its part in the development. We want to evangelize the many unreached groups there. We want to train good pastors that can lead the church. We want to defend the faith and influence the society with, with a biblical worldview and values. That's their vision of going back into this country. So they're not... Does, does that sound like discouragement? Does that sound like despair? No. That is hope. That is faith. Another country. One more. Nigeria. Nigeria. We're slightly moving out of the top ten. This Nigeria is number 14. You may have, if you watch the news at all, you may have heard of a uh, terrorist group called Boko Haram. Well, in recent years, Boko Haram has been the primary force attacking and killing Christians. Uh, really, particularly in the northeast corner uh, of Nigeria. And since the beginning of this insurgency in 2009... Boko Haram has been responsible for at least tens of thousands of deaths. Over two million people displaced through the destruction of their communities. You know, one of the most public atrocities, atrocities I don't know if you remember this, was the kidnapping of 276 schoolgirls back in 2014. Uh, as of early this year, 112 of those have yet to make it back home. Uh, and most recently, uh, there have been attacks and killings of Christians in Nigeria's middle belt, uh, which divides the, the mostly Muslim north from the mostly Christian south. There's a long-standing conflict uh, between the... Uh, Fulani, who are nomadic herders uh, and Muslim, and the Christians, who are farmers. And the, the Fulani will shepherd their cattle uh, into the farm areas of the Christians. And the, these crops are the main livelihood of the Christians. And this has resulted really in decades of conflict. But over the past few years, the attacks by the uh, uh, Fulani have grown more and more violent and more regular. Uh, the Fulani militants carry modern weapons, uh, which makes the attacks deadly on all the Christian villages. And Nigeria, it also has a huge 
population of Christian widows. You know, uh, when attacking the church, the men, the pastors, and the elders are the ones targeted. When attacking the homes, of course, it's the fathers and the sons. And this has left the country with many, many widows. And yet, this Nigerian church continues to follow Jesus and serve the church. Churches are run in trauma counseling centers. They help distribute relief aid. They even help with rebuilding villages that were attacked. So here, the faith of Christians has not died out. These are only four of the uh, 50 countries on Open Doors watch list. You can see that persecution looks different in different places. It could mean her simple harassment, getting fired from a job, discriminated, arrested, and even killed. But on the other hand, let's look at the attributes that we see in the persecuted church. You know, I spoke earlier about what Jesus said about the, the church in Revelation. But some of the attributes that we see there are good works. Toil, yes. But what about patient endurance? A church that can't bear evil. A church that calls out false prophets. A church that is bearing up under persecution for Jesus' name. A church that does not grow weary. A church that is being faithful unto death. A church that is holding fast to Jesus' name, not denying their faith in Jesus. A church that is growing in works. A church that is growing in love, in faith, and in service. <laughs> Does that sound like a disparaging set of attributes or something positive something victorious well that's what the persecuted church is that's what it is if we think about these attributes and kind of narrow them down we see the persecuted church is doing what it's standing on God's word living to please God counting on God's promises and working for God's kingdom. And that's under persecution. And so I would kind of like to ask us, do we do all of that? Not under persecution. Are we living to please God every day? Are we counting on God's promises every moment of the day? And are we working to expand and further God's kingdom? Our Christian brothers and sisters, they live out these characteristics in the face of persecution. But they are men, women, children, just like us. They live out these characteristics by the grace of God and by the gift of His Holy Spirit. 
It's that simple, really. He gives us the grace we need when we need it. And He sent His Spirit to help minister to us in every situation. Jesus said this, if we continue in His Word, we really are His disciples and we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. To the whole church, not just the persecuted church, but to the whole church, He's saying we are free to live for Him. Not for gain in this world, but for gain in eternity. Not for laying up treasures on earth, but for laying up treasures in heaven. And so I would say when we think about the persecuted church, don't think about a church in hiding. Don't think about a church in desperation. But consider another perspective. As I said, think about a church that is standing on God's word. Think about a church that is living to please God. Think about a church that is counting on God's promises. And think about a church that is working for God's kingdom. So what can we do? Well, and we're going to take some time, but certainly we can we can pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters to stand strong in their faith. We can pray that they would be able to forgive their enemies and bless their enemies. I don't know if you realize this, one of the other things is that that Open Door has an app that you can download on your phone. And that app tells you what's going on every day in the world. It gives breaking news about persecution. As Bill was talking, an update, you know, right here, uh, Asa BB released. So these times, you know, you can download an app and use it for prayer points on your phone. Tell others about the persecuted church and join in, in, in them in prayer. There's lots of things that we can do. But the thing that we've gathered to do right now is to take a little time to pray for the persecuted church. And I would like for us to gather in, in, in some small groups. And I've handed out, I'm going to hand out some, uh, 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 some prayer points uh, to be able to pray some for North Korea, for Pakistan, for Eritrea, and for Nigeria. Uh, but these are just some ways. So if you want to gather in, well, let's see. One, two. I think I've got printed out like 10 different pages. So maybe in groups of, of four uh, or so uh, to just take a few minutes and pray for, uh, uh, for the persecuted church. I'm just going to
So I'll do just just go ahead and, and start praying and you can you can use the, the prayer points that are on your list to to pray for the persecuted church. Thank you. 